morning in our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the book of 1 Kings chapter number 3. I, I, want, you, I want you to think about what you want God to do for you. Last week we took this piece of paper and I preached a message entitled, Leave It There. We wrote down the things that worry us, the things that keep us awake at night, the things that we're stressed out about. We wrote those things down on a piece of paper. And then at the end, we brought those things down and we gave those things to God. And for many of you, you brought them right here. You put them in a shredder and you left them there. That's the whole purpose, to take the problems and leave them there. I pray that you've had a better week. I pray that God lifted some of those burdens. I pray that you're able to bring some of those things down Leave them there and go back and trust God to take care of them. You know, when we give them to God and we ask God to take care of them, we don't get to come down and say, God, this is, this is what I want you to do. And this is how I want you to do it. We just simply say, God, this is worrying me. It's keeping me awake. It's causing problems. I'm having anxieties. I'm having stresses that I shouldn't ought to have. Will you take it and do with it what you will? Now, if you remember last week, we used Matthew chapter 6. We used Jesus teaching and preaching in the Sermon on the Mount. But one of the main texts that we use, we use several, but one of the main ones was the one from the foyer, Matthew 6, to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Well, this morning I want to kind of look along those same lines of thinking, if you will. What does it look like to truly seek God's will first? What does it truly look like to make my heart's desire to be God's desire for my life, to seek Him? I want to bring a message this morning entitled, What Shall I Give Thee? Last week we started out writing down the things that were worrying us, the things that we wanted God to solve, the things that stressed us. This morning I want you to take and I want you to write down, if God were to ask you that question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to give you? What is your heart's desire? What do you want from me? I want you to write that down. I don't care if you write one thing, ten things, or a hundred things. They're sitting in a genie in a bottle. You don't get three. If God were to wake you up in a dream tonight or have, give you a dream, wake you up in the midst of it and ask you a question, what do you want me to do for you, what would your answer be? Well, you can keep on writing. While you're writing, I'm going to read 1 Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse number 3. Solomon loved the Lord. That's a key start right there. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked, or God said, ask what I shall give thee. What do you want? What is it that I can do for you? You came here, you've offered this thousand burnt offerings. You're serving me, you're worshiping me because you love me. 
What do you want me to do for you? And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee, and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen the great people that cannot be numbered, nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because, because, y'all got because, right? Because thou hast asked this thing, and has not asked for thyself long life, neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked for the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. That means I just gave you exactly what you asked for. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. You ready? I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Father, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. God, I pray right now you'd remove any hindrances from this building. God, I pray that anybody has anything on their mind other than you. I pray you'd remove it out, God. I pray your Holy Spirit would sit down in the lap of everybody in this place. I pray you'd take this message and divide it by however many people are here. I pray you'd speak to each one of us individually, God, that we might walk out of here with a better understanding. God, I ask you to move in this place. I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Solomon is just now becoming king of Israel. He says, I'm but a little child. He's about 20 years old, maybe not even 20. If you look at birthdays and all, he's probably right at 20 years old. And he says, I'm but a little child. He's not really talking as much about his age as he's talking about, I ain't got a clue how to do this. Can you imagine being handed the greatest nation on earth and being told you're king at any age, much less at 20, being told to rule God's chosen people he said i'm but a little child i don't know how to do this and if that's not bad enough it's not like he's following some knucklehead king who messed everything up and made a disaster he's following his father david if you look in history it's one of the greatest rulers of people to have ever been recorded in all of history and all of men he's following his his dad this incredible leader and at this point in his life he's not some famed and wealthy man he's not the man of many riches he's not the Solomon of great wisdom that the queen, or the queen um, came and, and sought his wisdom and, and to see and said that the half of the wealth is what I've heard was only the half told. I mean, that's not who he is at this point in his life. He is this humble man. He's sitting right here. He doesn't have pride. He doesn't have arrogance. He's sitting here saying, God, I have no idea how to do what you want me to do. Anybody relate to that right there? I know you want me to do something. 
you may even know what it is that he wants you to do. I have no idea how to do what you want me to do. And he understands that all of his hope and any possibilities that he has, that everything rests in God. So he goes and he makes sacrifices to God. The Bible says that he goes to Gibeon and he makes his sacrifices. It says that on this high place, on this high altar, that he's offered a thousand offers. And it says that that night God met him and said, what do you want from me? Do you have your paper? I know y'all ain't through writing. You ain't got to change your mind now that the message started. What you want, still what you want. Did you write anything down? Are you still writing some stuff down? If you didn't write anything down, you're just being defiant. <laughs> Everybody wants something. Everybody wants something. It don't have to be super spiritual. Some people just want some money. Some people just want debt paid off. I do. I'm one of you. I'm good with that. I want my house paid off. I don't want a house payment no more. Matter of fact, I'll sell it to you. Come see me right out of church. <laughs> I, I've got 33 acres of land. It's part of the farm. It's not the farm we live on, but it's a tax. I have that land for sale. I don't want to sell that piece of land. I just don't want the payment anymore. I would rather be debt-free than to own that piece of dirt. You women, everybody wants something. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. It doesn't have to be holy. I'm standing here telling you, I got things that I want that, that, that are, well, they're, they're worldly. Anybody else want to be debt free? I've never even been able to say those two words in the same sentence out loud. I still can't spell them, but I just like the thought of it. Everybody wants something. Some people are getting engaged. You know why? Because single people want a husband and a wife. Everybody's after something. Some people wish they had a better job. Some people wish they made more money. Some people wish they had a better car. Especially if you got one that gets pushed very often. Some people wish they just had a better understanding of life. I just wish I had a better understanding of my purpose, what I'm supposed to be doing, what God wants me to do. But the bottom line is everybody wants Something. You got them wrote down. God said, Solomon, tell me. What do you want? Can, can I go ahead right there and just say, what you want may not be what you need. But it can be a very good indicator of where your heart's at. That's too close to preaching right there, so I'll just move right on along. There are worse things than not getting what you want. As a matter of fact, sometimes the worst thing you can get is that thing you thought you wanted. Sometimes that, that what or that who, that thing that you thought you just had to have, may be the last thing you need. But sometimes because of our own stubbornness, our own hard-headedness, our own just stand after it, God will allow us to have what we thought we wanted. And it'll cost us everything that we already had. And we come around to find out we already had what we needed and what we wanted. And we lost it all in search of something else. Many people's lives have been ruined because they persisted after something until God allowed them to have what they thought they wanted. God said, Solomon, 
You have a free gift. Tell me, what do you want? Now, what we have here is Solomon's priorities are in order. Everything's in place. He knows what he wants. He already has the answer. He says, I don't need to go take some time to think about this. When I ask you this morning, write down something. If you have anything you want, what do you want? Some of you had to think about it for a minute. Some of you really just wrote something down because you couldn't come up with the first. That, that's not Solomon's case right here. He already has it in mind. It's in the forefront of his mind. He said, I don't, I don't have to go weigh things out. I don't have to go pray about things to decide and come back with an answer. He said, right now, give your servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? He said, I have no idea. You understand the thing that was worrying him, the thing that was keeping him up, the things that we brought down and run through the paper shredder last week, that was at the forefront of his mind. And what was at the forefront of his mind, stressing him out and keeping him up, was I'm about to be king of God's people. I ain't got a clue how to do it. Had God come a week before or a week after, it might have been a different answer. But God came right then in the midst of it when he was seeking the will of God. And he said, I know my answer, and this is what I want. Solomon said that he wants three things. I look at it here in this passage. I see that Solomon wanted God to work with him. I see that Solomon wanted God to work in him. Solomon wanted God to work through him. I want you to keep your own piece of paper handy. I want you to look at the things that you want. I want us to look at these three three things together. Solomon knew his own shortcomings. He knew his own weaknesses. He knew his own failures. He knew what he wasn't able to do. And, And he understood that he needed God to work with him. He needed God to help him take care of his own weaknesses, not somebody else's. Most of the time we spend too much time, there's some of you right now thinking about what God needs to fix in somebody else. He said, God, I need you to help me with my own weaknesses. You know this world that we live in today, everything is somebody else's fault. It doesn't matter what it was. You know, I, I, don't, I don't do... Marriage counseling, hardly at all. If you just want to meet with me, I will. Robin and I will meet with you about once, but then I'm going to send you to Debbie. God did not call me to be a marriage counselor. Whoever thinks that falls in line with the pastor, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. God called me to be a pastor, and he called me to preach. Marriage is way too important to trust in somebody that don't know how to help you the way you need help. They're not called to do that. That's why we have J.B., J.B. not only has a passion for that, I believe he's called to do that. Just like people are called to do Sunday school, people are called to ministry, I believe he's called. I believe that's his God's calling. That is God's gift. Why would I risk anything when I have somebody that God called to put there? So I'm going to send you to the best that we have to offer. But I do remember marriage counseling. I do remember talking to a lot of folks. And it doesn't matter what the problem is, it's their fault. It don't matter what I did, it's their fault that I did it. It don't matter how this all worked out, it's the other one's fault. And because in a pastor's office, people feel the need to get all spiritual. Well, it's her fault. Book of Ephesians says that she is to to honor me and she's supposed to give authority. I'm supposed to have authority. She just won't yield to my authority around here. She would just yield to authority and do the things the way the Bible says we'd be okay. And she says, well, in your super spiritual self, if you read the same thing there, it says husbands are to love your wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Are you ready to die right now for it? (laughs) 
And I say, both of you are right, which means both of you are wrong. You see why well, I'm not a good counselor? That, 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 that's why you send stuff. I'm sorry. I, I, I need to get back. I was supposed to be preaching. God said, Solomon, what do you want? And he said, I want you to fix me first. Because what Solomon understands is that he needed God to fix the internal, not the external. The things that he needed from God the most was all about the internal, not about the external. Too many times we try to change the world. We, we try, to, try to change things. People today, you know, they stage riots. They stage protests. They put anything, you know, whoever shouts the loudest, the squeaky wheel gets old, right? So they try to put all these external forces together to try to force the hand, put it together. I'm sorry, but the truth is ministries is no different. You got to be very careful. We try putting all these things in. We try to go outside. We try to do more. We try to be louder. We try to push things away. And, and, and what we're doing is just trying to shout louder. We're trying to do more external things. We're trying to move with the external ministries. We're trying to move with the things that they can see. But God said, he, he, he said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's internal changes. If my people, that's you and I, the Christians, he didn't say come up with more ministries. He, he didn't say put more things. He said the first thing you got to do is humble yourself and pray and seek his face and turn from our own wickedness. And then God will do exactly what we want. That means God says if my people will work on the internal and let me work on their internal, then I'll take care of the external. So Solomon says, God, I need you to work with me. I need you to fix some things. But he says, I need you to work in me. Solomon had the greatest education money could buy. He's David's son. David has everything. There's nothing that isn't offered to this young man. He has all of the knowledge. He watched his fathers. His father grew up and his father's king. He, he has all them. But Solomon understands that knowledge and wisdom is two different things. Knowledge you can get from books. Knowledge you can get from studying. Knowledge you can get from reading. Knowledge is simply accumulating the facts and putting everything together, and it creates knowledge. But wisdom is the ability to take that knowledge and use it for something good. Just because you got knowledge doesn't make you wise. So Solomon understands it and he's, he, he understands that God says that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And Solomon says, I need that. That's what I'm going to need. If I'm, if I'm going to rule this people, I need wisdom. So, so he, he says, this is what I need. You know, in today's world, we have all these morning devotions and send you things by email. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not... I'm not discrediting or knocking a good Bible devotion, one that's teaching you something about the Word of God. And, and, I, and I'm not pushing devotions off. I do two or three of them myself every morning. But you can't let that be your Bible reading. I need to say that again. I'm not knocking good Bible devotions. They're very good if they come from a good, godly author doing good, godly stuff and teaching you good, godly things about this book. But you can't let your devotion become your Bible. 
You can't just read the devotion and not read the book. Sooner or later, at some point in your life, you got to quit just reading what God said to somebody else and let God speak to you. Sooner or later, it's got to be about you and him, not him and them. Sooner or later, it's got to become that personal relationship. Well, that's all free. That's all free. Where was I at before I started preaching again? Solomon said, God, I know that you've spoken to my father, David. I know that you've led my father, David. I know that you've blessed my father, David. I know that you've spoken to him. But God, if I'm going to lead this people, I need for you to speak to me. I need for you to guide me. I know what you've done for my father. I know what you've done for everybody else. I've seen what you've done out there. But God, if I'm going to do this, I need for you to do a work inside of me. So Solomon's request is, God, I need you to work with me. And then I need you to work in me. But the third thing, he says, God, I need you to work through me. Too many Christians today somehow decided that God works for you. No, God's already done the work for us, but he don't work for us. He's already paid the price, but he's not our genie in a bottle. God wants to work through us. God wants to do a work in us, and he wants to work through us so that we might be a blessing to somebody else. So that others might see Christ in us. So that God might use us to be a blessing to them. On your list that you've got there. You're in your own little world. You ain't got to share none of this stuff. The things that are written on your list, are, are they designed more to benefit yourself? Or are they designed more to benefit others? Or are they designed to benefit you so that you might be a blessing to others? It could be any, any one of those. Solomon chose that he wanted to be a blessing to others. God, I need you to do something here. And, and what happens is anytime you put the fullness of faith in God, and you're within his will and you do it right, is God does exactly according to his word. He goes exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Solomon said, I want wisdom to guide your people. God said, done. Not just wisdom. I'm going to make you wiser than any that ever came before or any that will ever come after. I'll make you the wisest man ever, exceeding abundantly above. But because you've sought that, because you've sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things are going to be added unto you. I've done according to your word. I gave you everything that you asked for. I give you wisdom beyond that of anything. But now I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Take a look at your list. What is it that you want? What are the things that you've written down? Are they primarily focused for yourself? Are they materialistic things or are they spiritual things? What are the things that you have on your piece of paper that you want? Now, unfortunately, what we have here isn't the end of the story. See, what, what we have here when Solomon's offering the thousand burnt offerings and God comes and he has this great relationship and Solomon's sitting in the perfect spot and he said, here's what I want. That's not the end of the story. 
the story really has a pretty sad ending. See, many times the blessings that God himself gives us is the very thing that causes people's downfall. I've seen it personally a lot of times. I have prayed with people. I have cried with people. I have financially helped people who are in a spot. People who were struggling. People, that their finances was in trouble. Seemed like their marriage was in trouble. Their life was in trouble. Seemed like everything they're doing, everything in their life just seems to be difficult. But during that time, you know what I remember? I remember how they prayed. I remember how they would come and how they'd call and how they would seek help. I remember the way they sought godly advice. I remember the way that they prayed. They read God's word every day. They spent time in, in Bible study and they, they spent incredible amounts of time even in prayer. They were here at the church every time the doors opened. You could know they were going to be here. They're praying. They're searching. They're seeking. They're, they're looking for answers. And, and they're involved in these different ministries within the church. They're just trying to find a way to help somebody else. But then they got a new job. But then their job signed some contract. They're a business owner. And they got this account that paid them a lot of money. And all of a sudden the pressure is not so bad anymore. God answered exactly what they asked for, answered their prayers. They, they get a big raise at work. All of a sudden, they have these financial opportunities, and, and everything changes. They're making money. Bills are paid. Driving nicer cars. Three, four, five vacations a year. Nice vacations. Cruises. Weeks at the beach. They ain't been to church. In a long time. See, I, I remember, I can remember praying with them. And I remember being at every prayer meeting, but they're not there anymore. They, they don't come to those anymore. There's a good chance, just guessing, but there's a good chance that their Bible's probably covered in dust. See, I remember... I, rem I remember some folks, even before I was pastor, this ain't new. I remember from my Sunday school class. I, I remember from his, from his deacon and his chairman of the deacons. I, I remember from before then. I, I, I remember as pastor, I remember sitting in my office with these people for hours, several days for hours. I remember, the, I remember them coming to my house. My wife will remember them coming to my house. My wife will remember us standing in the yard for hours talking to him in the driveway or down by the lake, talking to him. My, my wife can testify. She remembers we sat at restaurants, bought people's dinners for them, and sat there for hours and listened to their heartache and their problem and all that they needed God to do for them. And God has answered the prayers that we prayed. God has done it. And I ain't seen them in years. It's not that they're not at this church. They're not in church because God took the pressure off. You, you all understand what I'm saying? See, when, when your prayers are answered and your blessings become your God, then you'll stop hearing from God because you'll stop seeking God because God let the pressure be off. That thing that you desired so much from God, the reason that God hasn't delivered it to you is because he knows it might take you away from him. 
he might know that that is the only thing that is holding you close. And if he gives you that, you'll begin to fall away. I've said it a lot of times. I worked hard enough to be a multimillionaire, and I'm still broke. That means that God can't trust me with money. Well, that's the way I feel about it anyway. So Solomon had his priorities right in the beginning. But once he became wealthy, his priorities began to change. It was a slow change. It's like one day he changed. It, it began one day he just decided to sleep in and miss his first church service. And from there it becomes a landslide. One day he decided, I'm just going to skip out on a prayer meeting. Then eventually it gets to the point I decide I'm going to miss a Sunday morning service. And then it eventually gets where you put two or three services in a row and people just begin to slide back and slide back. But as long as the pressure's on, they're going to stay in the house of God. I know y'all are here. You're like, why am I preaching that to you? Well, I want to go on and look at the rest of the story. Because what we find at the end of the story here is this bitter old man who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. This man had all this wisdom and all this wealth and was the greatest to have ever been out there. We, we find and we, we see here in Ecclesiastes he wrote about the weakness of learning. He wrote about the incompleteness of laughter. He wrote about the destruction of lust. He wrote about the lack of comfort and luxury. He, he wrote about anything and everything that seems to be so important to us in this life. He wrote about it, and he called it all vanity. He said, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Chapter 12, verse number 8. But here in this final chapter, chapter 12, what we find is an old man who once desired the heart of God and because of what he desired, he was also given the things of the world, all the stuff, because he sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things were added unto him, but now he can no longer hear from God. In this final chapter, he says in verse number 9, Moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise... Are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So let me ask again. You, you've got your list there. Look, look at your list. If, if God were to give you everything on your list, would it draw you closer to him or would it draw you closer to the world? If God were to give you everything on your list, would it strengthen you spiritually or would it give you more things materialistically? Would it give you a, a, a greater presence of him, or, or would it just make you wealthier? If God were to give you everything on your list, would it make you a better Christian? Would it make you a better person? Or would it just make you wealthier? Remember I said to me, what you want may not be what you need. Y'all still got your list, right? Look at your list. One, more, one last question. One last question. On your list, the things that you have written down, 
If God were to give you those things, if God were to offer to give you those things, if you knew that it would make you further from God, if you knew that it would get you out of church, if you knew it would cause you to start praying less, if you knew it would cause you to read your Bible less, would you still want it? The things you have on your list, if God showed them to you and said, you can have them, but it's going to draw you away from me and not towards me, would you still want what's on your list? Well, here's what I want to do this morning, because it can go either way. I want us to bring our list, and I want you to bring your list just like we did last week and lay it down here at the thoughts, and I want you to talk to God about that list. Here's my list. Here's what I want. I've asked you for them before. God, I, I, here's what I want you to do. If it is your will, and it's not going to hinder my relationship with you, will you grant what I've written on this piece of paper? Will you grant the things that I want? Will you grant the things that I need? But God, here's what I want you to do. If there is any way that this is going to cost me my relationship with you, it may not cost you your salvation, but it can cost you your relationship. If there's any way that this is going to hinder me from serving you, if this is going to cause me to pray less, if this is going to cause me to read my Bible less, if this is going to cause me to come to church less, if this is going to cause me to come to prayer meetings less, if this is going to make me serve you less than what I do now, will you let me see that I don't need it? And will you take it out of my heart so that I don't want it? It's one of the two. God, if I can have this, will you give it to me? And if you don't want me to have it, will you take the desire away from me? Could I have you stand this morning? I want as many of you as will to bring your list. Everybody wants something. And it's not a sin to want something. It's not a sin to want things. It's not a sin to want money. Money is not evil. It's, it's the root of money. It's the love of money. It's when you desire money more than you desire God. That's what's evil. It's not the money itself. Possessions aren't evil. Nice houses aren't evil. Nice cars aren't evil. There's nothing evil. Nice clothes aren't evil. None of that stuff. God says everything's good in and of itself. Owning property. You own a lake. Whatever you have, it's not evil. It's when you desire things more than you desire God. That's what's evil. It's when you want something more than you want your relationship with Him. That's what's evil. It's when you're willing to lay out of church, leave in the morning without reading your Bible because you got to get to work too early, come home at night and don't spend any time prayer or reading because you're too tired to pray and read. It's when you're putting everything else that you're doing in the way of serving God. That's what's evil. And in many cases, we don't have things in our life that we desperately think that we want. And the reason why is because God in all of His infinite wisdom can look and see if I give you that. You're going to fall to the wayside. If I give you that, I'm no longer going to be all that important. You're not going to pray the same. And the distance between you and I will get greater. God desires a personal relationship with you. Not just save your soul. Not just have fire insurance and one day get to go to eternity. God desires a personal relationship with you. And he may just have to withhold some things in order to maintain that relationship. That means that he's doing it because that he loves you. 
because he desires that. He doesn't want to see you fall away. God, will you give me the things I want? Or will you show me the reason I don't need them and take it out of my heart? Because I want to serve you. I want to be pleasing to you. I want my relationship with you to be good. Can I ask you this morning, while everybody's praying anyway, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if there's anybody in this place that you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can change all that this morning. There must be a confession of your sins. We're all sinners. The Bible says for all the sin that comes short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're still dead in your sins. But the Spirit giveth life. And he says, that which is born again. He says, set the man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. That means to be born again is what it takes to get you into heaven. And the way to be born again is to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Have all your sins washed away. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That the Holy Spirit of God indwells you, lives inside of you, so that you might be saved. Have you trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If not, you can change it this morning. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. Not some magic prayer. That's you surrendering your heart to God. That's you taking your sins and your failures and your faults that you can't do anything about and handing it to the one who died on a cross, shed his own blood, that he might be able to remove your sins with his own precious blood. It's you trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Surrendering your heart to Him. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Make old things pass away that all things become new. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I want to be a child of God. And I'm trusting the Lord Jesus as my Savior today to save my soul. You pray that in Jesus' name. You pray a prayer like that, you're just as much a child of God as anybody else in this place. Four people prayed it yesterday that feed the need. Five people prayed it this morning at the detox. You prayed it today. You're just as much a child of God as any one of them because of what Jesus Christ did for you and I because you trusted in the gift. bad to want things we just can't want things more than we want God seek ye first the kingdom of God well we got a couple finishing up praying whatever's on your paper whatever it is no matter what you brought it down here you prayed about it whatever is on your paper the rule is the same. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus spoke it. The Holy Spirit wrote it. And God will keep it. God, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your message. God, I thank you. Lord, for the challenge that it is to me, I thank you for what it is in my heart. God, I pray 
that it's a blessing to somebody else. I pray that it encourages somebody else, strengthens somebody else. I pray for everybody in this place right now, God. I ask you to touch them. I ask you to anoint them. Father, I pray for everything that they wrote down, God. If it be in your will, I ask you to grant it. Father, I pray you'd give them the desires of their heart. I pray you'd bless their families. I pray you'd bless their homes. I pray you'd bless everything about their lives, God. I pray you'd use them in a mighty way, Father. For everybody in this place, I ask you to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there be not room enough to receive it. God, will you grant that, Father? God, most of all, for everybody in this place, you give us a heart of wisdom and understanding to seek ye first the kingdom of God so that you might open those blessings. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, will you use us today, God, to be a blessing to somebody. We love you, Lord. Amen.